Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Yeah, 12 minutes after 5 on this Thursday morning. Yeah, the snow line right now looks to be right at the Milwaukee-Ozaukee County line. And then if you go west, it actually dips a little bit into northwest Waukesha County, north of Menominee Falls. Looks like it's all snow north of that. And then some scattered rain in the southeast corner of southeast Wisconsin. So definitely something you're going to be dealing with if you are north of Milwaukee. Today. Another one of those sloppy spring-like southeastern Wisconsin days. A little wintry mix yeah, in there. Yeah. What do we hear? Accumulating snow Friday into Saturday? Give me a break. Yeah, it's a thing to pay attention to, apparently. They're putting their arms around that one. That could be a thing. See, and again, with our temperatures going into the upper 30s, Low 40s by Sunday, low to mid 40s. You know, it's not like it's going to stick around yeah, a lot. Yeah, you don't have to fire up the snowblower, But right? it prevents you from getting out and doing your spring stuff. <laughs> like, for example, if you like to golf. Uh, oh, okay. Now I get it. I thought you were going to say maybe go work out in the yard or something. Put out some well, of the patio too, like, furniture. Well, that too. Like, right. If you want to... You gotta get a, you gotta give the lawn a good rakethrough, E. Yeah. Gotta give it that spring rakethrough. You would go nuts if you were standing in my backyard right now. You'd start getting the yeah. itch. You'd, you'd go you'd freak out. See how, how poorly done my lawn looks at the moment. Uh, we can talk. I can give you a little <laughs> rehab project. I can set we can put a program in place out there. Might need to. <laughs> hey, big uh, news from Summerfest today. They've been doing this the last any number of years where you know we know some of the big headliners that are coming to the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. They released those once those contracts are done and yeah. set and you know the tour is on board and Summerfest is on board and then they let you know, okay, this is coming and we're going to put tickets on sale. But for the what we call the side stages or the ground stages, they're going to just drop the whole lineup today, about 100 plus acts. And we're expecting to hear that at 6 o'clock later this morning or right after that. I've got Scott Zeal booked. He is the director of entertainment for Summerfest. So we'll break Scott down about some of the big names. And then what I like to ask these guys is who have we not heard of that you know is hot and coming up? The up-and-comers? Yeah. The rising stars? That you're going to put in front of our audience here in Milwaukee that that we think you should... you think we should go check out. So that is coming up at 6.20 this morning. Brandon Snide has sports next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. With only 11 games remaining for Milwaukee and a four-game road trip looming, the Bucks were looking for some home cooking Wednesday night against the visiting Spurs. Here's a three-point try that misses from the left wing. Too strong on the jumper from Vassell. Bucks come away with a Middleton the other way. He lobs up to Giannis, and Giannis has another dunk. That's his fifth of the night. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ as Giannis would send that one home and finish the game with 31 points and 14 boards in just 23 minutes as the Bucks. Take care of business, defeating the Spurs by a final of 130-94 after the game. Head coach Mike Budenholzer on his team finding their stride and sharing the ball. When we're playing unselfish and sharing it and uh, making um, good decisions and good reads um, and making threes, then you know that's when we're at our best. With the win, the Bucks remain two and a half games in front of the Boston Celtics for the top spot in the Eastern Conference now. There is a little bit of a debate and maybe dilemma for some Bucks and maybe even Bucks fans. Do they rest their guys heading into the postseason or do they go for the number one seed? I mean, I think we won it. I think we want the one seed. Even like after All-Star break, right? It's been super close between really the top three teams in the East. It's not something we obsess about. We're not like 
checking it every day, every game. Like I, I think we're definitely aware of it, and I know as a group, I, I know we want the one seed. That's Bucks guard Grayson Allen addressing the media on Wednesday as the Bucks now get set for a four-game road trip beginning in Utah Friday night. Over to the Diamond, where the regular season is just one week away for the Brewers. And manager Craig Council, well, he's feeling pretty good about where his current starting rotation is sitting. I, I couldn't be happier with the physical status of our starters. I, I think we're in we're in a good spot. Like we've got them like prep wise, health health related. Um, like but they've done everything we're supposed to do, so we're we're in a good spot. The Brewers are in action today, taking on the San Diego Padres. First pitch is set for three ten. Coming up, Governor Tony Evers set to appoint the next state secretary in Wisconsin, and the state Senate is not happy about that. 518 on Wisconsin's Morning News. So a new push this morning to have a special election to fill the seat of Wisconsin state secretary, as despite having just been reelected in fall, the man who held the office for about a half century, Doug LaFollette, 82 years old, has only now decided he's too tired to keep it up. His most significant accomplishment in office appears to be getting a plaque added to a bust of his distant relative fighting Bob LaFollette. And it was a long process. Two years it took to achieve this because we had to do it with a committee. And I grant him that, frustrating as it were. Like, shouldn't shouldn't take two years to get a plaque. <laughs> it's like a back and forth, back and forth <laughs> right, about yes. what was going to be on the plaque, how big the plaque would be. I credit him with that, but he clearly had the time to do it. The state secretary has virtually no power nor assigned duties. Here's how a recent Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article describes the office. During his tenure, lawmakers have reduced LaFollette's office to a small room in the basement of the state capitol with two positions and a budget of less than $250,000 a year. The office keeps the great seal of the state of Wisconsin. All right. What's the great seal? I I don't even know. Like, I mean, we. Is that like a stamp? I bet you. The Great I mean, Seal of Wisconsin is those two guys standing there. One of the minor and the other one is a yeah, sailor or something. So there's just a giant one sitting Right, in but like, office. is there an official, like when you have something notarized, is there an official seal, a stamp yeah, or something that, like that? That, that he does, that. right? Doesn't, he, doesn't everything have to go through him before it becomes law? I suppose, yeah. But it <laughs> paints a picture of like he's down there in that basement office just staring at it, protecting it. <laughs> basement office. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it actually made me think of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Remember the knights there guarding the Holy Grail? The last of three brothers who swore an oath to find the grail and to guard it. (laughs) Come on. Long time to wait. Yes. I respect the John Williams in the background. (laughs) That's too much. Come on now. But so here's the scandal, actually. Governor Tony Evers has already decided to appoint former state treasurer Sarah Godlewski to the post. She's out of a job. She bowed out of the Democratic primary, if you recall, for U.S. Senate last summer. But she's a rising star in the Democratic Party in this state. Most believe she has designs to run for a higher office. And it's a lot easier to do that when you're in office already. You have a fundraising mechanism in place, especially in a job where you don't really have much else to do. So actually perfect to set her up for a future run for something bigger. Republicans crying foul on that. Even some suggesting that this may have been premeditated, that LaFollette and others knew (laughs) probably earlier than most that he was going to bow out and they knew exactly what they were going to do with that position. Sure, that's true. They probably asked him to continue to run just because of his name and knowing that he'd have a better shot at it. 
And then, hey, when, hey as soon as yeah. you're ready, guy. We, yeah, go ahead and retire. We got this figured out. Well, State Senate Wednesday passed a joint resolution. No Democrats voted in favor. It calls on Governor Evers to hold a special election for the position, as opposed to appointing Godlewski, her Senate Majority Leader, Devin Lemahue, Republican Oostberg. The governor could have made an interim appointment to keep the office running until a new Secretary of State could be elected. Or he could have asked for approval of the Joint Finance Committee to allocate additional interim staff. But instead, the governor decided to make a nearly full-term appointment to constitutionally prescribed elective office. Okay, so he's not going to do that. <laughs> he's not gonna, all right, Senate. Okay, here okay, you go, fine. by You golly. guys are right, yes. And honestly, if, if Republicans are being honest with themselves, if it were Tim Michaels in the office and LaFollette left you know, today or whatever— he would appoint another Republican. Mm-hmm. Correct. I don't want to speak yep. for Michaels, but and Republicans would support that. So that's that's this, just politics. This is politics you, in both right. sides. They, this was clearly planned in both ways. It's all manufactured outrage. Right. But in the the other interesting thing is how can you simultaneously argue that this office is no big deal, but then be outraged that it's not <laughs> going to be filled by a special election? All that said, I'm just happy because we get to talk once again about our favorite guy in Wisconsin politics. Right. Doug LaFossil. Two years. <laughs> That's how long he's been waiting down there? <laughs> Two years. News about your money this morning in the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Market Update. Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped more than 500 points in trading Wednesday to 32,030. The NASDAQ at 11,670. That was off more than 1.5%. And the S&P 500 down more than 1.5%, back below 4,000 at 3,937. For a deeper dive on the markets, listen to the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All you got to do is look at the programming schedule for next week. Definitely appears spring break is upon us. Everybody's getting Who's all out? Mercure out. Debbie out. Oh, yeah. You guys got spring yep, break yep. coming up here? We're, we're going out to. We'll be going enjoying the warm weather down south. Brandon, you're, you're here, right? I'm here. Just don't just Can't double get rid check of me it. like that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport declaring this weekend the peak for spring break travel. The busiest day is going to be this Saturday when we have more than two dozen flights heading to places like Florida. Arizona, Mexico, the Caribbean, Southwest has a lot of flights to those places along with Spirit, Sun Country, Apple, and FunJet. Uh, So it's going to be very busy, and Saturday will be the busiest day with more than 12,000 passengers departing from MKE. That's Harold Mester with MKE. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. The airport actually offering a few tips for air travelers. They're telling you to get there two hours early. That seems to be the standard pretty much now if you're going during busier times. If you're flying on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, and not a peak travel time, you're probably good. You're good. But uh, two hours they want you there if you're flying for spring break. Oh, that's a long time. You can enroll in text alerts to get updates from your airline directly. The airport always points out they've got no information about your flight status not Mitchell, check with your airline. And then something I actually hadn't thought about, but parking. The red zone has always been for loading and unloading. There's never stopping in a white zone. Don't tell me which zone is for stopping <laughs> and which zone is for loading. All right, no, something serious here. With so many people traveling, parking is going to be loaded at the airport, even on the outlots. So you can reserve a spot via the MKE Smart Park app. 
and they suggest that you do that if you're flying out in the next couple of weeks. You know what we've done once? We used a Groupon once and even parked at a uh, private company. And One of those they, off-site? Yeah, yeah. And then they shuttled us over. I had a little, Perfect. Gave us a glass of water, gave us a little snack Oh, a nice little, gla- yeah. little snacky Took snack. Took care of my car. It was great. Yeah. So anyway, there, there have been a couple of times where like the ramp is full. Literally full. I believe it. And so if you if you definitely want to drive down there, good idea to get the MKE Smart Park app and reserve your space ahead of time. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The NFL New League year is here, and, well, QB Watch is still in effect for the Packers and Jets. And the question remains... Who holds the most leverage in a trade for the four-time MVP? I still think that the Packers hold the most leverage and Aaron Rodgers holds the least leverage. I also will say this, any leverage at this point feels personal. The idea that the Packers have leverage, the leverage would be just to tick off Aaron Rodgers by holding him hostage and tick off the Jets by not allowing him to start to integrate into their system by saying, you know what, Aaron, we're just going to make you wait this out. If they don't give us enough, we're just going to wait until August and then we'll make the trade. But ultimately, is that really in the best interest of the Packers? To your point, that's where the leverage starts to go away. For me, the leverage feels personal. The leverage right now is a matter of convenience, not a matter of practicality. ESPN's Jeff Darlington on hashtag leverage watch in the NFL. Now, the NFL draft is just over a month away, but regardless of that, there's some out there that think the Packers offseason has been quite underwhelming thus far. I think it's a fail for the Green Bay Packers. And and when you look at it, they're going to lose Alan Lazar, which they probably were going to allow to walk out anyway, even if Aaron Rodgers was coming back. And Aaron Rodgers, they lose him. So uh, it's just a fail to me. There's no such thing as an incomplete or a pass for Green Bay. When you lose the, the best quarterback in franchise history, then, you know, you lose a lot. Debatable for sure, but nonetheless, that's... <laughs> ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson on his thoughts surrounding Green Bay heading into 2023. Over to the NBA, where the Milwaukee Bucks entered the night with a two-game lead over the Boston Celtics for the top spot in the Eastern Conference, and they were looking to add to it. Glides, passes, near corner, three. Joe Ingles, you betcha. That's finishing a quarter. Milwaukee, a 15-2 run to close it out. They've got the 66-51 lead going into the break. Dave Kane on the call there on WTMJ. As the Bucks would use that 15-2 run heading into half, and they would never look back easily, taking care of the Spurs by a final score of 130-94. Giannis led the charge for the Bucks with 31 points and 14 rebounds in only 23 minutes of work, despite what some say. That sounds like an MVP-quality performance, but I'll digress on that. And Cash Money Middleton also added 19. After the game, Giannis was asked about health versus seeding with only 10 games remaining on their schedule. If you had to choose between a number one seed or uh, health, I'll take health any day. If uh, I think guys are healthy and we finish third or fourth or whatever, fifth, we have a chance. I think our team is really good. I think guys playing high level. I think we've built uh, good habits and we still have 10 more games to build uh, even better habits. But at the end of the day, number one priority is guys being healthy. Hopefully we can finish with the best record in the league. The Bucks now get set for a four-game road trip beginning in Utah Friday night. Coming up, the battle to recognize an American hero from Wisconsin.
March is Women's History Month. There's a special effort underway right now to recognize an American hero from western Wisconsin. WTMJ's John Mercure has the story of Ellen Ainsworth. Young Ellen Ainsworth didn't have it easy. Born in 1919, she grew up during the Great Depression in small Glenwood City, Wisconsin, in the rolling hills 40 miles east of the Minnesota border. Despite food sometimes being scarce and opportunities even scarcer, one of Ellen's childhood friends says she had a special light. She was quick with a one-liner, the first to lead an impromptu sing-along, and was always fast to flash a smile. David Sandmeyer is a distant cousin of Ellen. So she was like almost like a, a bigger-than-life figure, living life to its fullest and never afraid in, in the darkest of scenarios. After high school, Ellen graduated nursing school and became a nurse in Minneapolis. On March 2nd, 1942, Ellen's life changed forever when an Army recruiter visited the hospital where she worked. A few days later, on her 23rd birthday, Ellen told her family it was her destiny to help our men and women on the battlefield overseas, and she enlisted. After training in Arkansas, Texas, and New York, Ellen shipped out for Italy, where she was assigned to the 56th Evacuation Hospital on the front lines in Anzio. The entire several months that the U.S. Army was there was basically hell, hell on earth. Ellen and her fellow nurses arrived in late January 1942. And immediately they faced intense artillery and mortar attacks. February 10th, 1944. The worst shelling yet occurred. And it mainly hit a field hospital very near to the 56th evac hospital. And it killed a number of people at that field hospital. The injured were brought to Ellen's field hospital, which was nothing more than a canvas tent with big red crosses painted on the roof and sides. Several large bombs landed nearby and shrapnel began to rain down on the tent where Ellen was working. Patients who are there who are well enough to be moved, they're removing those patients from the tent hospital into bunkers. But somebody has to stay behind and take care of the really ill patients who can't be moved. Under heavy bombing, as others fled, Ellen stayed. She calmly helped move those patients at least to the ground because shrapnel was coming almost at ground level horizontally. You know, these bombs would explode and they'd send metallic shrapnel sideways, you know, like a few feet above the ground. So Ellen is in there on her shift, moving patients to the ground. In the chaos, Ellen stayed calm. 42 patients were moved calmly and collectively by under her guidance, which prevented panic. A bomb shelter had been built for the nurses, but Ellen decided to stay in her tent because she wanted to be closer to the men she cared for. February 12, 1944. After another long shift under constant bombardment, Ellen collapsed from exhaustion in her tent. Within minutes, a bomb hit, sent shrapnel sideways, and it it struck her in her tent. She took about a quarter diameter piece of shrapnel into her chest that apparently went down into her abdomen and caused pretty severe organ damage. She was rushed to the medical tent where she fought and struggled and eventually faded. Ellen gets worse and worse. Eventually she died on four days later on February 16th. Her death left that community grief-stricken for years. 
Sally Burkholder's father went to high school with Ellen in Glenwood City. Her death left such an impression on that community that even now today, you could go to Glenwood City, a population of about 1,200 people, and died, what, 80-some years ago, and just say Ellen, and they would know who you were talking about. Now the people of western Wisconsin are talking about how Ellen should receive the nation's highest military award for valor in action, the Medal of Honor. Was Ellen Ainsworth a hero? Absolutely. In the case of Ellen, she had to die to prove herself, but I mean, it, it again, it opened up generations of opportunities for women to serve in the military, for women to go on and pursue advanced degrees. And it's not just in Glenwood City that they're pushing for Ellen to receive the Medal of Honor. I would argue this is long overdue. Dan Buttry is the president and CEO of the War Memorial in Milwaukee. The key is to protect and save and do something way above and beyond your requirement to save your fellow soldier. And there's no question what Ellen did at that time was to protect and save and stand there and go way beyond what was required of her. No woman has the Medal of Honor. Not one. Ellen would be the first. The Medal of Honor requires you to have gone beyond the call of duty in a position of extreme danger to aid others. And it's basically what she did. You know, had she decided to use that air raid shelter when she got off her shift, she'd gone to that shelter she probably would have survived. World War II veteran Senator Daniel Inouye once said, the nurses in World War II gave us hope. It's time for Ellen's country to give her the recognition she bravely and selflessly earned. The girl next door who left home for war and never came back. John Mercure, WTMJ News. Both of Wisconsin's U.S. Senators and U.S. Representative Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin working to get Ellen Ainsworth awarded that Medal of Honor. That process could take years. If approved by Congress, the medal would be presented to the Ainsworth family by the President of the United States.